It's time to get inside the Giants huddle. Huddle up, huddle up, huddle up. On Giants.com. Here we go, here we go. And the Giants mobile Get them in there, let's go. Part of the Giants podcast network. Welcome to the newest edition of the Giants huddle podcast. John Schmoke with you. Today's guest is Matt Miller, who's starting a new venture that we hear about in just a second. But first, uh, let's remind everybody you can find the Giants huddle podcast as part of our Giants podcast network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of all of our shows at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app and your favorite podcast podcast platforms. Now we're joined by a friend of the show who's been joining us every year, probably almost for the ha- past half decade now. Uh, that is Matt Miller, formerly of Bleacher Report. But if you want to find Matt, there's a new place to find them that I'm very excited about. Matt, welcome to the show. Thanks for being back with us and tell everybody about your new venture. Yeah, John, appreciate you having me on. It's good to talk to you again. Uh, like, like you said, we do this every year, it feels like. So it's good to be back. Uh, yeah, After a decade of working at Bleacher Report, I really just felt like it was time to venture out on my own um, and kind of reignite some of the, you know, the fire that got me into this business 10 years ago and helped me go from an unheard of website to being the lead NFL guy at Bleacher Report. So I've launched a new website called thedraftscout.com where people will be able to find my mock drafts, player ratings, uh, featured articles, scouting reports, everything that you would, you know, come to expect from my time at Bleacher Report, just a lot more. Uh, And then also a lot of community features. Um, we've actually got happy hours set up, scouting clinics that you can do virtually. Uh, and then I've got some friends in the league, uh, players, agents, media members who are going to hop in and just like hang out with people on, on, you know, virtual hangouts for 30 minutes or an hour, uh, once a week. So trying to build a community around, you know, the content basically. No, that that's terrific. And of course, you can find Matt on Twitter at NFL Draft Scout, where you have links to everything that he's doing. So make sure you go check that out. You have the podcast as well. So everyone, I encourage you uh, to go find that. And Matt, unlike myself, was able to venture to Mobile this year to check out everything going on at the Senior Bowl. So I guess just from a selfish perspective, I don't want to spend too much time on this, Matt, but how different was it? I, obviously, I, I know it's a new stadium this year. You know, the, everyone moved out of Lad Peebles, but just the entire atmosphere and how yeah. it went, how was the Senior Bowl different? You know, John, the new stadium is beautiful. That's the first thing. And and I, I start there because what's weird is once you get into the stadium, you kind of forget that it's different. I mean, obviously, you know, we had to wear a mask the whole time, but I generally sit with a small group of people kind of away from everyone else to try to watch practice. And, you know, you don't want to be bothered by people and you don't want your conversation to bother other people as well. So, of course, socially distancing in the stands at the Senior Bowl is a normal thing. Like we've all been doing that for years. So that part of it, it just felt normal. And so it was really cool to like walk into a stadium and watch live football again. That's something I hadn't done uh, all year. Uh, as far as what was different, really just the access to players, um, you know, after practice, you weren't, you weren't getting those, you know, let me go grab a guy on the field and exchange information or set up a quick interview. There was no more of that. So that's probably the biggest difference, but you know, otherwise it, it really just felt like the status quo, except for the fact that, you had to wear a mask and you had to just kind of keep your distance from everybody. Now you talk to a lot of people in the NFL, the scouts and everything. Give me a feel from their perspective, how much different and or more difficult this year is going to be. I know a lot of schools were not allowing scouts on campus. There's going to be no right. Uh, scouting combine. So you're going to have limited face to face with players there. The senior bowl is really your only shot. So give me your feel from what you're getting from people in the league about how, what this process is going to be like this year and how much more difficult it's going to be. The hardest thing uh, for scouts I've talked to is that not having that in-person ability to evaluate players. You can't, you can't go sit down with Trevor Lawrence to figure out who he is as a human being. 
you're doing it via Zoom. And I think one thing that the Senior Bowl did that was really smart was they basically set up like a prison plexiglass like booth <laughs> where a scout could go sit on one side of the plexiglass and actually talk to a player in person. And I was talking to, to a scout for an AFC team and he was explaining this to me and it was like, I mean, is there a phone? Do you pick it up? Is it, I mean, is this like <laughs> something you see on TV? And he's like, you know, but like, this is the first time I've seen players in person this year. So, wow. you know, it's like, it's weird because, you know, body language and, and a lot of, you know, energy doesn't come across on Zoom calls. I think we've all been on a Zoom call so far and just been like, what the heck, you know, like what, what is going on here? So that in-person has been huge. I, I think that's one of the big differences this year. No scouting combine is huge. I do think that the consensus is it'll be a lot like last year where the first 20 picks of the draft last year were pretty predictable. It's like, okay, good football players went pretty early. And then, you know, there were a couple surprises. I think, you know, the Raiders taking Damon Arnett at, at 19 overall, that was a pretty big surprise. But, you know, otherwise it's like, okay, this went how we expected. Good football players went early. And there wasn't that opportunity for workout warriors to drive up the board. I think this year is going to be the same because, you know, last year at least there was somewhat of a combine uh, and you could see some guys perform this year. It's nothing. And let me tell you, nobody's going to trust these pro day numbers. Like you're, that was my next question for you. Nobody's going <laughs> to, you know, this would be some kid at Penn state who's going to run like a four, two, one. And people are like, come on. Like, I, that, I remember last real. year, right. Cameron Danzler ran like a, what a four, five, nine at the combine. And then he like flips up like a four, three, eight as it's at his yeah. pro day. I'm like, come on, dude. Really? Right. And I, you know, a good friend of mine, I know you know him as well, Matt Bowen, who was in the NFL forever. And I asked him about his pro day way back in the day. And he's like, man, that surface of Iowa was just like running on concrete. It was so hard. I ran so fast. <laughs> and, you know, as a scout, you know, some places traditionally have a fast surface. And you know that. And I mentioned Penn State because they are probably like the biggest one where it's like those dudes are going to run really well. Um, and you have to almost like account for that in your evaluation. So it's important you got to have your own guy there timing because the school's going to put out a ridiculous 40 time that's not going to be anything close to realistic. And, and you got to make sure they actually measure out 40 yards, which is always not the case either. <laughs> oh, exactly. Like I would, I know they won't run it on the turf, but you would really love them to run it on the turf. Exactly. All right, Matt, let, let's talk about the senior bowl. The, this game always has a handful, you know, anywhere from three to a half dozen, I'd say, players that managed yeah. to sneak into the first round. Who are the guys that you really like coming out of Mobile that you think could sneak into the back end of that round number one? Yeah, I think the first player, uh, as far as guys who actually participated, I don't want to include Devontae Smith. No, of course he not. Really do anything. Yep. Uh, but I think Kadarius Tony, uh, the wide receiver from Florida, uh, would be an obvious, you know, uh, as far as the you know true seniors, not a, er, early graduate juniors. He was the highest ranked. Uh, true senior that I had going down there and he he showed up all week and, and really the burst the route running the hand, I I know like a highlight went around of him dropping a pass he didn't do that often in, in college or during the week of the senior bowl so don't get carried away with like one video that went viral or whatever I think Kadarius Tony solidified himself as a top 25 pick now the big one is Mac Jones the quarterback from Alabama uh, who as a red shirt junior as a graduate junior was able to go to Mobile thanks to that new rule and he looked good, John. He really did. I was skeptical of, man, how's this guy going to look not throwing to, you know, four first-round wide receivers behind an all-pro, basically, offensive line with the best running back in college behind him? How good is this guy really going to be? And he, he impressed me. He really did. He, he was a little bit more athletic than I expected. I thought the ball, in terms of velocity, was probably about where you thought it would be, but it looked a little bit better than it does on TV. And then the, the energy – the leadership, the character, that was all super impressive. And, 
everyone I talked to about Mac Jones last week said the same thing. You know, coaches uh, who interacted with him, scouts who interacted with him, Jim Nagy, who's the executive director of the Senior Bowl, everybody just raved about, you know, this guy was bringing great energy to the practice field. And, and in a lot of ways, you know, I remember when Baker Mayfield went down there and did that and really jumped a lot of people in that draft class because he had such a great Senior Bowl week that it was like, man, this guy's he's got it. As far as a leader, football IQ, it's there. I think Mac Jones is maybe quite not the natural leader that Baker is, but we saw him really help himself this week. Um, so those two are, in my opinion, no doubt first-rounders. Uh, a couple other names I'll throw at you. Uh, I, I think uh, Jabril Cox, the linebacker from LSU, uh, solidified himself as a first-rounder. Uh, James Hudson, the offensive tackle from Cincinnati, looked really good. Uh, Aaron Robinson, the corner from Central Florida, uh, dominated as well. Uh, and then Levi Anwu Zarike from Washington. I know he only practiced the first day, but he was great, uh, great in that yeah. day one. And that's usually good enough. Uh, Alex Leatherwood from Alabama uh, looked as expected. So those guys are all top 40 players without a doubt. And, and as you said, there's usually a couple more, whether that's like a, a Dylan Radins type or, uh, you know, someone like that who could push their way up into that first round is a little bit of a surprise. Uh, in terms of edge rushers, you know, Usually it's not a great event for edge rushers. You had Montez Sweat, who did a really nice job a couple of years ago. But frankly, a lot of yeah. the great edge rushers usually come out after their come out before their senior year, so you don't necessarily see right. them in Mobile. Who are some of the guys that you think, if the Giants are trying to find an edge guy, and I think both of us agree, probably there's not going to be someone there worth the the price of admission at number eleven. They're trying to uh -huh. grab someone in the second or third round. Any of these edge rushers in Mobile, maybe one of the Notre Dame guys that that you think could be a worthy selection for the Giants at edge on day two. Yeah, you know, you mentioned Notre Dame. Dalen Hayes is definitely one of those players. But I would look at the two pit players. Uh, Patrick Jones, the second, 6'5", 264. I mean, he showed the athleticism all week. You know, it was there. It's like, okay, this is obvious. He uses his length really well. He can dip that inside shoulder to get underneath the hands of pass blockers. And then his teammate, Rashad Weaver, who does bounce around a little bit. Yeah. He missed 2019 with an injury. Uh, played well uh, at the Senior Bowl all week. He's a little bit bigger, 6'5". He's probably going to go about 275. And, again, he's played three-tech. He's played five-tech. He's played out in the six. He played a little bit out in the nine even. So he just brings a lot of versatility. So outside of Dalen Hayes, those are two players that I think are, are guys who could be special. They looked good all week. A little bit of a sleeper would be Wyatt Hubert from Kansas State. Uh, he had a really productive 2020 and showed up really, really well at the Senior Bowl. So I wouldn't be surprised if he might be like a, an early round three target but somebody who, you know, definitely made an impact all week and, and looks like an NFL starter. Hopefully he figures out to stop hitting the quarterback during practice. Matt Roll. That was the thing, right? He's getting yelled at. <laughs> stop hitting the quarterback. It's like, okay. Hey, sorry. How do you see Basham? You know, I, I liked him better as an interior yeah. rusher. Watching him during practice, he's 280. He kind of has the feel of that kind of, you know, New England Patriot power defensive end that can move inside. And we know the Giants are doing a lot of things like the Patriots did, oh, you know, over the past couple of decades. Where do you think Basham fits in in the NFL? Yeah, I'm with you. And and he's a name I, I should have mentioned a little bit earlier. I wouldn't be surprised if those late round one teams look at him um, because he, he had a great week. I mean, he really did. And like you said, he could play everywhere. And the thing was, the key with Basham was, Wherever he lined up, he was winning. So yeah. whether it was as a 4-3 defensive end, as a 4-3-3 tech, you know, if, if they were running three-man fronts, he could play there. Uh, he probably was the most complete defensive lineman at the Senior Bowl this year uh, in terms of what they did during the practices. Um, I, I do think that he'll get hit a little bit as like that tweener. But, you know, everybody wants that 
you know, wants to make the comparison to like a Michael Bennett. He's a little bit bigger than Michael Bennett, but I think his usage could be very similar. Where, like you said, he could play outside, he could play inside. It's just a, a matter of starting to think of these guys as positionless players instead of, well, we need a left defensive end. We got to go get this. Uh, with Basham, you can get someone who can do a couple different things for you. I was really impressed by the wide receiver class out there again. And is this going to start being a theme here, Matt, where college is just, you know, manufacturing an endless amount of 5'11 quick wide receivers that can win in space. But every time I looked up, whether it was Amari Rogers or Shai Smith or Kay Johnson, just going on the list, all these guys seem to be built similarly, but they're impossible to cover in space one-on-one. Yeah. And, you know, Kadarius Tony, who I mentioned, Dwayne Eskridge, Shai Smith, Kay yeah, Johnson, too, Amari yeah. Rogers, right? It's like, yeah, just go down the list. And that was the thing this year. You know, I, I was sitting with some guys who cover the Chiefs and they were like, God, we love a big receiver. I was like, you're not getting that this year. Sorry. Like you <laughs> see those little short, fast guys, like that's what you like. And and you know, there wasn't. Uh, you know, Nico Collins from Michigan, a, a big guy, Sage Surratt from Wake Forest, they didn't really differentiate themselves. And it could just be the nature of in a practice setting, you know, those quick guys stand out. You know, Kay Johnson uh didn't get to play last year because Missouri Valley didn't have football and he made probably the best catch of the week. And his quickness was was absolutely on on point. Amari Rogers is one of those dudes. It's like let's just get him the ball. However you got to do it, get him the ball. Um, but they were very very impressive players uh, all week long. You're right. It's just it seems like every year we're like God, this is a good receiver class. That might just be the norm. It might just be that there's be good receivers every year, and and we can stop being surprised about it at this point. How do you compare this class in general to last year, which obviously had really good receivers going as as late as the third round? I don't think it's as good as last year. I know a lot of people want to kind of make that comparison and that's fair. I think last year was better last year. I had like seven or eight guys who were like, these might be round one players in a normal year. I I genuinely don't have that this year. I have four receivers ranked in the first round who I really like there. After that, I think you start to stretch a little bit for guys like Elijah Moore, Rondale Moore, Tutu Atwell, Rashad Bateman, Terrace Marshall, so to me, like those guys last year, they, they wouldn't have been, you know, as highly regarded. So it's a good class. It really is. And there's, there's good depth. I have a, I have a ton of receivers ranked in the, the top 100. You know, I, I want to say like 17 of them or something wow. crazy like that. So it's, it's very deep, but there's not that the high end is not quite as good as last year's. So maybe the top three might be better this year, but then numbers four through 10 aren't where they were last year is, is, is basically what yeah. you're saying. I see that. And I, I do think that this year compares really well to last year. You have, you know, the kind of smaller, silky smooth route runner. Jerry Judy was that this year. It's Devontae Smith. You've got the, you know, physical player who, you know, plays bigger than he is. That last year it was CeeDee Lamb. This year it's Jamar Chase. And then you have just the freak show home run hitter with speed. Last year, Jer- uh, Henry Ruggs. This year, Jalen Waddell. So it, I think it does compare really well, the, the top three, you know, but last year, like, I this isn't revisionist history. I really liked Justin Jefferson last year and look how good he was this year, you know. So Justin Jefferson would, you know, I I think in this year's class would give, you know, would probably give those guys a little bit of a run for their money or would be at least ranked closer in a grouping with them than he was with that group last year. Interesting. Nico Collins, you mentioned him very quickly. I did like the fact that he was able to separate deep and make some contested catches. I thought he tracked the ball well. Uh, He had to contort his body to make some of those catches. But do you see him more as almost like a deep threat role player for for lack of a better term? Or or do you think he could develop into somebody that can win at all three levels? 
I think that's the key is watching his route development over the course of the year, you know, because he is, he's big six, four and a quarter two fifteen. I know, you know, folks at Michigan before the opt out were saying he would probably run in the four fours. So that's, that's really good, right? That's, that's a big canvas to work with. Uh, I think there were times, especially early in the week, he needed to unchain his hips a little bit. He was a little bit stiff. Sure. Kind of expected when you haven't played football for a year, but I think the key there, John will be like, okay, with a body like that early on, let's get you on slants, comebacks, and go routes. Yeah. But you have to be able to develop beyond that. You know, so I think that is the key is watching that development. I don't want to compare him to DK Metcalf because DK is just no one should be compared to him ever again. But in a similar <laughs> way that DCAF came out of Ole Miss, dude ran three routes there. And it wasn't that he couldn't run more, he just hadn't. And so it was a matter of developing that route tree over the course of his career early on. It has worked and he's become a great player. All right, let's jump into the class in general. We're joined by Matt Miller from his new venture. You can find him on Twitter at NFL Draft Scout. You can find all the information of, of, of how to subscribe and all of that. So, Matt, let's talk in general about this class. The Giants select uh, at 11th overall. Uh, looking at this class early on, I almost feel like, I don't want to use the word no man's land, but I don't think that's fair, but I feel like they might be out of that first tier a little bit and right at the second of that next group, which I think is is fairly big. Do you think that's a, a fair explanation of, of, of kind of where the talent of this draft may land in the first 20 or so picks? Yeah, I definitely think that. And it is. It's not that it's no man's land, but you're, you kind of look at the team's needs, right? And you look at where players are going to come off the board, and you're like, gosh, who's going to be there? You know, because the expectation is those top three receivers are going to be gone at this point. Jamar Chase, Javante Smith, Jalen Waddell, whatever order you want to have them come off the board, they're likely going to be gone. The same for Kyle Pitts coming out of Florida. Whether you view him as a tight end or wide receiver, a little of both, he's likely to be off the board. So the, the Giants kind of fall in this spot of we're going to see a run on quarterbacks, wide receivers, and offensive tackles in the top 10 picks. And while the Giants will not be drafting a quarterback, uh, you kind of get in that spot of, okay, like, well, what's going to be there? Is it a Micah Parsons? Is it Patrick Sertan, Caleb Farley? You know, so it's, it's an area where you might get to 11 – and you, you have that pick and you're excited to use it, but there might not be a lot of value there. So, I mean, there, we have three months to talk about trade down scenarios. And if somebody wants to jump to get a quarterback, we just slide back. But I do think 11 is kind of a, a weird spot this year. Like 11 to 15 feels like an area where you're not necessarily getting great value in relation to that pick's worth. Giant fans get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with a Giants branded debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to $250 when you open an account at InvestorsBank.com slash Giants, member FDIC. How do you classify those defensive players at the top of the draft, Matt? Do you look at them and say, all right, these guys have elite skills. You have to refine them. Is it a reach talent-wise? And when you compare those to, to maybe the next best wide receiver, is it just worth it to wait? until the second round, because as you mentioned, this is such a deep class. Yeah. You definitely wait till the second round. If the big three receivers are off the board, there's, there's not anyone that you would feel even trait wise is worth reaching for at 11. So I think, you know, you get to this spot where the quarterbacks are gone. The top three receivers are gone. Kyle Pitts is gone. It becomes a matter of, and I, and I'll say two offensive tackles are probably gone as well. So Slater and Sewell, you're thinking Slater Slater and Sewell are gone at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you, you know, you get to this point where it's like, Look at the defenders. You know, Micah Parsons, I do believe, is a top five or six player in this class. It's just a matter of how do you envision him being used. You know, he's he's more of a defensive weapon. You know, first and second down, he can play linebacker. Third down, he might be better off rushing the quarterback. Uh, then the two corners I mentioned, both big guys, 6'1 plus, very, very physical. 
Um, so I think those three players are based on where people will stack their board. They're a good value. Like if they're there at 11, that's a pretty good value, but it does become a matter of, okay, how do you want to build your team though? You know, do you want to spend a top 11 pick and top 11 pick money on a linebacker um, or, and we know Dave Gettleman loves linebackers. So maybe that is the way he wants to go, uh, you know, or looking at the corner position where, you know, you added James Bradbury and Fred to see, you know, you, you have someone who's good at really good at one spot, but it's a matter of, okay, do we, do we feel like these either of these players could be, you know, locked down year one starters? Um, again, otherwise, you might consider a trade back. But there is a drop off, you know, from Caleb Farley and Patrick Sertan to the next best corner. I think it's J.C. Horn at South Carolina. It's a pretty big drop off hmm. from Micah Parsons at linebacker to uh, a Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. It's a little bit of a drop off, but there's also a big size drop off. You know, Owusu Koromoa, smaller guy. You know, he's more of a hybrid player at six one two twenty. Whereas Micah Parsons is 6'3", 245. So I think that's one of the keys is, you know, you look at these players on defense and they're at the top of their position. They're the top 10 players on the board and the drop off to the next best guy at their spot is pretty big. So that's something that, you know, the, the front office has to consider is, okay, if we, if we don't take a corner here, do we like the round two talent? If we don't take a linebacker, do we like the round two talent? Uh, it's, you know, same for wide receiver and, and all the other positions too. How do you see Parsons uh, playing in the NFL, Matt? Is he a guy that first, second down, he's an off-ball guy? Can he put his hand in the dirt in passing situations and be a bit of an edge? What do you see his role like in the NFL? Yeah, I think, John, he's, he's like a, a ball of clay that needs molded a little bit. And not playing last year, we didn't get to see that next step development. But he is just scary athletic. You know, he, he, he's around a four, four, three at 245 pounds, which is crazy. Yeah. And so we've seen him play edge. We've seen him play stack linebacker. Um, I think he's, you know, in the run game, like you said, first, second down, he's going to be great. He's athletic enough to cover running backs and tight ends. You know, it's just a matter of, I think, refining that a little mm-hmm. bit, you know, getting him a little bit better in those situations, but that's a lot of college linebackers, you know, especially big college linebackers. So I think, you know, ideally his usage is as a, a better version of Jalen Smith. You know, had Jalen Smith never been injured, maybe it's that type of player where, you know, we were starting to see from Jalen at Notre Dame the, the ability to just dominate with his range but then rush a little bit on third down. And I think from a defensive perspective, this is what people want to be able to do right now is, you know, you put your defensive grouping out there, the offense doesn't know what that player is going to do. It's a little bit like Jamal Adams in Seattle where he's out there you don't know where he's going to line up, though. So it makes it a little bit harder to combat what you're doing in terms of your offensive personnel. So whether it's, you know, Tyron Matthew, Jamal Adams, uh, Hassan Reddick in, in Arizona, we're seeing a lot of guys who are able to just play multiple positions. Isaiah Simmons, I think, will eventually get there. So players who can play multiple positions, the rub with that is, like, they're not always, you know, super big impacts year one because they're, they're kind of learning one position for the first time. Yeah, I feel like linebackers are always a position that it takes them a year or two to kind of figure out what they're being asked to do in the NFL because, frankly, it's so much right. different than, 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 than what they're asked to do in college. Limited Giant season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. I know I talked to you about the edges at the Senior Bowl, map, but generally speaking in this class, the Giants are in desperate need of an edge rusher. And I realize they're probably not going to walk away with their version of, you know, Von Miller, Khalil Mack, or one of those guys. But if you do need help in this class, are you finding it? Or are you real? Or is this going to be one of those, you know, position scarcity situations where wherever you pick one, you might not be getting the value that you might get if you're picking someone at a different spot. 
You know what's weird is I like this edge class a lot, actually. But there's not that, like you said, there's not a Nick Bosa, there's not a Chase Young, there's not a Khalil Mack, Von Miller. Those those players don't exist, at least from an evaluation standpoint. It is a good edge class, though. Quiddy Pay at Michigan, uh, super athletic, has played all over the, the D-line there. Miami has two players, Gregory Russo and Jalen Phillips, both supersized, 6'5 plus, 265 plus. Uh, Azizo Jalari, smaller player from Georgia who just has a dominant first step. Uh, Joseph Osai from Texas, uh, kind of new to the position, but dominated this past year. So, uh, and then Joe Tryon at Washington, uh, another player who stand up rusher, excellent, excellent play strength. Uh, those are the, you know, five, six guys who could be round one type players at the edge position. I think the key is, will someone separate themselves enough where you feel like you have to draft one at 11? So again, you know, thinking about a trade back scenario, Giants are at 11. If somebody wants to grab a quarterback, you might want to trade back. Even if it's one spot to 12, you might even want to trade back to 15 because there's this cluster of edge rushers where, in my opinion, none of these guys is that much better than the other where you have to get them. You know, <laughs> if you trade back four spots and you miss on Quiddy Pay, but you get Gregory Russo, like, OK, well, you feel pretty good about that because their value is about the same. All right. So this is more of a strategy question then. All right. Let's say if the Giants decide hanging into the draft, all right, we need to walk away with a wide receiver. We need to walk away with an edge rusher or an offensive weapon, and an edge rusher. Everyone to look at it. And to your point, those top four playmakers are gone at 11. How do you think the Giants, assuming they can't trade down, or maybe that's the only answer, I don't know. How do they mold their strategy that they can figure out a way to get out of this thing with both that offensive weapon, whether it's a wide receiver or a tight end or whatever, plus an edge rusher that can help you rushing the passer. Yeah, I would. So let's say again, you know, the big guys are off the board. I would go pass rusher at 11. If you can't get out of that spot, go with a quitty pay or go with a Gregory Russo at 11 and then come around at 42. And you could be looking at Rondale Moore from Purdue, Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, uh, uh, someone who, maybe Pat Freermuth from Penn State. So you could be looking at an offensive weapon at 42, who's a really good value in that spot. I think the contrast to that is, and, and something that happens when teams stack their big board is, who are the edges that we think could be available at 42? There's not a whole lot. There's, mm -hmm. there's a big, big drop-off from those guys we talked about earlier where you're banking on athletes who haven't done it yet. You know, you're banking on traits, not production. So I think the move for the Giants would be edge at 11 and then come back and do your offensive weapon at 42. And, you know, then you get into, you know, pick 76 you can you can start looking to backfill things a little bit besides wide receiver what other positions do you really like in this class Matt that are deep where if you're looking in round three early round four you can still go out there and find a quality player yeah I think the linebacker class has ended up really really strong this year thanks to some of the underclassmen uh, who decided to come out uh, linebacker was good running back is good as always I mean you guys have a very very good one um, and then I do think the corner class um well, it doesn't have, you know, like that Jeff Okuda type player who's, oh, top three guy. Um, it does have really good depth where I think I have 10 or 12 corners actually in my top 100. So mm -hmm. there's, there's really good depth at that position again this year. All right. So if the Giants want to try to get a corner, they can get one in the third round is what you're telling me. I do think so. I do. And it might be more of a nickel type player like an Asante Samuel mm -hmm. Jr. Or uh, like a Kerry Vincent Jr. Uh, from, from LSU. Uh, you might be looking at someone who's a little bit slot related, but you know, if, if somehow Eric Stokes from Georgia or Greg Newsom from Northwestern, uh, if somehow they're available, uh, then you're looking at somebody that might be a starter in round three. One of my partners here on our podcast, Paul Dottino is not with us this morning, but he would kill me if I didn't ask you if the giants want to find a skyscraper wide receiver, 
with that pick in the second round? Is someone going to be sitting there? I know you said earlier it's kind of a scarce draft when it comes to bigger wideouts. It, it really is. And so as far as the big guys go, you know, Rondale Moore is 6'2", or excuse me, Rashad Bateman is 6'2", 210. Uh, that's just not very big, and that's like a round two player. When you get into the big guys, like a Sage Surratt from Wake Forest, that's probably going to be six foot, yeah, six foot three. He's probably going around three. Nico Collins, we talked about earlier, uh, he's one of the few six foot four plus receivers in this class. He's probably going around three, maybe around four. So there's just not that you know, six foot five, physically dominant receiver in this year's class. It's, it's really a smaller group. How about the kid from uh, LSU? What, uh, Terrence Moore, the Terrence Johnson, Marshall? Terrence Marshall. Yeah. Marshall, uh, yeah. He, he's a good player. Six, three, 200 pounds. So good, good sized. And I do think he's a mid round two type player. Interesting. Interesting. All right, Matt, I guess my final question for them uh, before we wrap up is that, how is this going to change for you, right? I think a lot of teams, too, they'll look at these numbers. And the, the way I like to use the combine, and I think a lot of teams do it the same way, is that there are thresholds, right? If a guy hits a threshold, then you're fine. And I don't really care if he runs a 4.42 or 4.47. He, he's in that range for me, so I'm happy. But we're not going to have those trustworthy numbers. I promise you these kids at these pro days are, that are, are not going to run bad times. They're just not. Right. So how do you, do you think we're going to have more bigger misses this year because you don't have that like ultimate lie detector test, which is the combine to, to prove whether or not a guy's fast or slow on tape? Just how do you think that's going to change things for these teams? Is it going to be much more risk averse or are we going to see some more swings and misses because we have fewer data points? I think what we see this year, maybe not because of the data points, but because of the interviews, I think we see more misses on, you know, background slash ah, character yeah. slash work ethic, because you're not able to, you know, really vet that situation as thoroughly as you would like. And I, so I think that's going to be one of the keys. I think teams have gotten really smart about athletic testing. And these guys are tested so often now that you can go, you know, look at a junior pro day and look at, you can go to an Exos or wherever people are training it and not see them this year, but you have access to that, that information. So I think we've gotten better at, you know, evaluating athletes and scouting that side of it. Um, but I, I do think that, you know, it's, it's going to be tough, you know, with what are these guys like? And, you know, we've seen some notable misses at the quarterback position over the last four or five years. And that was when we were able to get in there and talk to these guys and, you know, we not just the quarterback position everywhere. And, you know, I think so for the Giants, whether it's edge or receiver, tight end, whatever it is, like that's the thing where you – I think what we'll see, John, is a lot more players who are trusted, who have – you're going to tap into – Joe Judge is going to tap into Alabama, right? You're, you're going to tap into something that you know and where you have those connections where you can say, okay, Nick Saban, if we draft this player at 11, is he going to burn me? And so you really have to tap into those relationships and connections that you have. Yeah, and when you have connections at Alabama and therefore Georgia with Kirby Smart over there, those are some pretty good programs. So you should be able to find some some pretty good right. players. Matt Matt Miller at NFL Draft Scout on Twitter, his website, thedraftscout.com. Matt, one more time, tell the folks how they subscribe and 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 what you're going to offer with your new venture. Yeah, you can go to thedraftscout.com uh, to subscribe today. And then starting February 11th, uh, actually is when the articles will, will start coming out. So mock drafts, seven round mock draft on February 11th, uh, team needs, top 300 big board. Uh, but then also right now, uh, until I'm able to start writing again, uh, we're doing a lot of fun stuff. Happy hours tonight, actually Monday night, we're doing a live mock draft. So 32 of these subscribers got in like won a lottery basically to be the GM of their team. We're going to hop in a, a zoom call just like you and I are right now. 
And we're going to run through the first round of the draft with them on the clock as the GM. So trying to do a lot of fun community type stuff. You know, I mentioned scouting clinics, coaching clinics, uh, and then just happy hours where, you know, crack open a beer and, and talk football for 30 minutes or an hour. So I'm excited uh, for it. seems like people are having a good time with it so far. So again, February 11th, that seven round mock comes out at the well, make sure you guys go check it out. I can tell you I'm a subscriber. I'm looking forward to Matt's great content. And, Matt, we hope to catch up again before the draft and to see everything else that you're doing, man. Great stuff. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. Have a great one. That's Matt Miller. You can find him on Twitter again at NFL Draft Scout, his website, thedraftscout.com. Make sure you go there and check it out for Matt's great draft content. In the meanwhile, I want to remind everybody that Quest Diagnostics wants our fans to come back stronger than ever, and so do the New York Giants. Now you can order your own lab test through Quest Direct to get the health answers you need most. The Giants Little Podcast is part of the Giants Podcast Network, which is presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show and all of our other podcasts, including Big Blue Kickoff Live, our daily call-in show every weekday at noon at Giants.com slash podcast, the Giants mobile app, and your favorite podcast platforms. And one more thing, don't forget to miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience Watching Giants games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. For Matt Miller, I'm John Schmelk. Thanks so much for being with us on today's edition of the Giants Huddle Podcast. We'll see you next time, everybody. Stay safe out there.